All right. I am here with Julian Fries, a.k.a. Jules, a.k.a. my podcast, Brethren. He's going to Cap and Cork because they have the new Yanni cassette. Kay Onderwero, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? Not much. I'm, I'm stoked to talk about these two albums. Two yeah, me too. albums I enjoy uh, very much. The, the first we're going to do is the one you chose, which is Wero by Beck. Wero is the seventh album of 13 albums by Beck. The album was produced by Beck Hansen, the Dust Brothers, and Tony Hoffer, and was released March 29th, 2005. Julian, how does this album make you feel? I have a very visceral, like, memory of like first hearing this album this is also uh you know i i don't really do it as much anymore really at all but i mean i used to i had entertainment weekly and rolling stone delivered we we, you know what i mean like every 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 month for rolling stone and every uh week for entertainment weekly and i would just read reviews and like all that stuff i was balls deep in it and so i had read that Wero got, I think, four stars in Rolling Stones, uh, in Rolling Stones. So I, uh, me and my buddies were going on a road trip and picked up the album at the store when we were getting supplies, basically, for the road trip. And uh, we put it on, and it was literally, we'd listen to the pants off of the record, just frontwards and backwards. He had a, a really good bass system in there, like kind of, nice. you know, ghetto-y kind of bass actually but it was uh but farewell ride has like a nasty bass uh and uh yeah we played the pants off the record so yeah that's kind of what it what it was Uh, and then all the other the only other memory of that trip i have is that uh his stepdad had um like every playboy ever yes and he just had him laying around. a great road trip. He had him laying around in the house. And we were like 16. I was like, what is going on right now? I mean, we're, it's 2005. It's still not great internet. And like porn is not that readily available yet. It was, it, was a mind, it was a mind-bending experience. And then, yeah, we just played Halo, sat in his basement. That's, that's the memory of that trip. It's the that's amazing. Wero album. And uh, yeah. But uh, so yeah, this... no, I, I I love it. It's such a weird, weird album. But I, I, I re- and it was my first and like really how I got into Beck. That's uh, awesome. So this album basically was the soundtrack to you coming of age, becoming a man. Yes. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> no, that's that's awesome. There's some elements there that uh, it's really funny you say that. Um, yeah, it's great when you know you enjoy an album as much sonically and it's tied to like a really emotional specific place i think that's when yeah. albums can really elevate to like that sure you know repeat 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 level so it's so funny you say road trip because this album makes me feel like i'm on a road trip through the california desert yeah uh, yeah for like sure i touched down at lax rented a car blasted east out of the city through the very neighborhoods that young Beck Hansen, uh, you know, was growing up uh, Mm -hmm. and then through Riverside, through the desert toward Joshua Tree. I I just feel like, uh, you know, maybe I'm looking for fun. Maybe I'm looking for a little trouble. 
There's a yeah. little, uh, there's some clandestine kind of bad yeah. guy vibes to a lot of yeah, these songs. There's some dark, there's some dark, there's a lot of darkness in this, the, this, but it's like, it's sonically, it's really pretty and like polished and clean and like fun, but yes. like lyrically, it's kind of fucking dark. Um, yes. Really like, it's a lot, a lot of really good pop in my opinion, or just like really good music can do that where it sounds like, like, you know, you're listening to something that's like kind of happy go lucky. And then you like, are actually getting your ass kicked by like some really kind of messed up dark stuff. Um, I love Absolutely. that. that end. Yeah. Absolutely. When, when an that's artist something... can really do. Yeah. No, sorry to step on you there. Uh, no, you're good. I was going to reference specifically, and I was going to go into the song titles, but girl is like a very yep. poppy kind of California sunshine song, but is about a murderer. Yep. So that's like exactly what you're yep. talking about there. So the last thing I had uh, on this point was just that this record feels like a Western. Uh, there's yep. a lot of kind of notions to, uh, you know, go it alone. If you just look at the song titles, they could definitely be the episode Scarecrow. titles. Yes, exactly. Of like a six episode Netflix Western, you know. Okay. So, so what I was going to say, this sorry, this ties in exactly uh to but farewell ride sounds like f a fucking trailer music for like a fx show yes <laughs> like it definitely sounds like coming soon to fall on fx boom doom, day. yeah it just immediately has like a real like cinematic kind of vibe to it i'm totally sure agree. i'm a hundred percent sure that that has been used in a trailer like i i i don't know exactly that but i'm in my head there's no way nobody has heard that and been like this shouldn't be in a trailer yeah anyways uh um, that's, that's yeah. awesome so so yeah like if you look at some of these song titles missing black tambourine earthquake weather specifically like earthquake specifically kind of makes me think about uh california go it alone yep. farewell ride the note i had for for farewell ride that's right along with what you said is that uh, it's very sinister. It sounds like the villain entrance music in a Western, yep. you know? Yep. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Scarecrow, Broken Drum as well. Like, these are just, yep. these could all be the titles of Westerns on their own. So, yep. uh, I definitely thought about um, that vibe throughout. And that wasn't one of the first things I picked up. I think that was like on, on like second and third listens, maybe. But yep. yeah, that's uh, that's basically how I'm, I'm feeling about it. We can move cool. into. Uh, What's the most interesting instrument on this album to you? Um, I think for me, um, it's Beck's like slide, like when he's using the slide guitar, like he uses okay. his, uh, his slide a lot. Um, Farewell Ride being a, a good example of that. I don't know if you know what like the slide is, right? Where they have the, like, it's like a glass piece basically or a metal piece. Yeah. And you kind of, yeah. But it just adds like a different sound to it. And I, I really, really like that. And I, I actually at the time was trying to play music unsuccessfully. And yes. uh, I definitely went out and bought a slide for the sole purpose of trying to play some of these songs, actually. Uh, never successfully, but, uh, you know, attempted, made some horrible noises with it. It's pretty great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that and just the overall production, the Dust Brothers just insane. Uh, yeah, but we can get into that, uh, I think, in the next question. So, 
Um, but yeah, that's probably it. And there's some pretty gnarly bass stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if we want to spoil. I don't know if you caught it or found it in your research, but uh, we have a we have a special guest on one of these tracks. Did you uh, did you did you figure that out or did you see that? Yeah, that was one of the first things I read. And, yeah, uh, I figured. Yeah, give me give me your take. So basically, what Julian is alluding to is that Jack White is the guest bassist on "Go It Alone." Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Do you, it's such do you a gnarly baseline. I actually didn't know that previously, like until I was looking into this. But I always loved that baseline. It's a fucking banger of a baseline. And uh, yeah, learning it's Jack. And then I believe he's also doing like backup vocals. I don't know if he's credited, but I think in the chorus he's doing, you can kind of pick him up if you're listening for it. I'm okay. not 100% sure, but I, I would guess that he is in the mix somewhere, whether he's credited or not. He has a writing credit on that song. I remember oh. that. Okay. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, that could just be for instrumentation right. or whatever. Right. I mean, yeah. I just, I feel like he, like if you, well, next time you listen to it, try to uh, see if you can parse him out. But I, can, I just feel like I can hear his voice in the mix somewhere. Um, good but yeah, uh, yeah, the bass, bass, there's a lot of really good bass in here as well. Uh, and I couldn't find, uh, I, I, well, I didn't do the deep enough research to figure out who's playing bass. I think Beck might be playing a lot of the bass on here as well. So in a lot of the previous Music Friends episode, I'd usually use this question as a as a way to kind of list all the different instruments and, and all that. And I think before I give my answer, I should say that Beck is credited on playing like 20 Everything. different instruments on this album. Jesus like like some, some that I haven't even heard of, heard of. In, including uh, the vocorder. I believe it's called the vocorder. The they vocoder? Used on Hell Yes. Vocoder. The that's vo exactly yeah. it. Yeah, that's just... Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just like a mechanical override thing. It's just you like sing into it, and it just makes your voice sound weird. I think. I believe uh, that it's it's used for the uh, the chorus of Hell Yes. Yeah, he, he that gives makes like that. sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just like a synthesizer addition. It's you just sing into it, and then it's like a microphone that sticks off of a. Uh, uh, um like a keyboard basically. And then you can just change the, uh, I don't know, you mess with it that way. Interesting. Sweet. But yeah, a lot uh, of traditional instruments and a lot of kind of outsider instruments as yeah. well. Um, but my, my answer is going to come down to, uh, it's a little tricky, but, but essentially the electronic accompaniment throughout the album. Sure. Uh, and I'll try to whittle down what I mean by that here. The so dust brothery stuff I'm guessing. Kind of, yeah, but but basically how it weaves itself within the songs and, and actually, you know, inside of the songs as well. So on uh, Rob Mitchum's Pitchfork review of this album, he labored pretty hard. It's a, it's a great um, article, by the way. It's, it's like he uses this very specific kind of concept. It's pretty funny, but um, basically he labors pretty hard to angle this album as an attempted and failed return to... To to Odelay, exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the all of the the notions are kind of there, but I kind of disagree in some ways. So um, where it was one of three albums that Beck worked with the Dust Brothers and uh, Tony Hoffer, um, mm -hmm. so Midnight Vultures, Odelay, yeah. and Wero. Um and they don't feel this. This doesn't feel as related to me, uh, and I, I'll try to explain why. But 
many of the Odele songs have straightforward alternative rock sensibilities yeah. that have hard breaks into electronic mm-hmm. experimentation. Like, sure. oh, it's a 96 rock song, and now it's, you know, like electronic, it's it's yeah. uh, DJ Shadow or whatever. Uh, and then, but many of the Wero's songs to me have more subtle undercurrents of electronic pulses running through them, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. making the record feel more congruent and part of the like digital alt country vibe that we sure. uh, kind of discussed earlier. So the songs that specifically uh, remind me of that are like Missing, Earthquake Weather, Hell Yes, yeah. Broken Drum, Scarecrow, Farewell Ride, Emergency Exit. They all have some kind of like current of like electronic stuff that's riding through them and it can be really subtle, but it to me is just more like coherent. So yeah. um, while Odile Traverse, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I was just saying, did you go back and you, did you, because you said you weren't really familiar with Beck at all. Um, so have you gone back and just like done a little dive? I listened to all of his albums leading up to this. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. We, yeah. we get back to what you're saying. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in the middle there. No, all good. All good. Um, so I just had basically to sum it up while Odile traverses all these genres like hard rock, hip hop, blues, singer songwriter, sample Delia, Eastern, abstract electronic, garage rock, funk, trip hop angsty 90s alternative all this stuff uh wero to me coherently crystallizes like garage rock hip-hop pop latin cabernet ambient electronica alt country into like this pretty like formed thing and i really yeah. dug that like i really thought yeah. that was cool so um yeah no, i answer, totally agree but... i totally agree yeah i i, I saw that review i didn't i, I mean I, I understand what they're saying and it does have an Odelay feel. It doesn't. It's not entirely um, fresh, as far as Beck is concerned. He likes to reinvent himself a lot, so yes. it does yes. feel like a little bit of a step back. I guess I can understand where they're coming from with that, but I think it was. I think. I think he got a firmer, better grasp of what he was aiming for with Odelay here. Ooh, I, think, I like that. Uh, like I, I think. It, Odile probably its heights are higher, but the um, this one I think is just more accurate. If that makes sense, that dude, that's so funny. That's exactly how I thought about it. That was like the, exactly the way I articulated. Yeah. I actually I actually have a note written down to that same effect. So good stuff. Uh, yeah. Let's go. Uh, what's your favorite song on this album? Um, I think it's I think it's I think it's missing. Okay. Um, nice. I fucking love that song so much. Um, yeah. And uh, the strings on that, uh, the production's just, uh, I just, yeah, it's, um, and it's another one of those things. It's like seems upbeat the song, but it's the lyrics would definitely disagree with you. Um, uh yeah it's just it's one of those it's one of the ones that like it comes on and i'm just like that's a crank i'm just cranking the shit out of that one nice Uh, what about what about you so this is hard for me and um you know uh you know beck as well and that he has a lot of different flavors not only his different albums kind of stand apart from one another but the songs themselves within the albums there's depending on your sensibility your taste like you could have so many different answers based on like you know what kind of music people like and whatever sure so 
I don't think there's a bad song on this album. And that's there's not a lot of albums that you can really say that about, but there's yeah. truly to me like like no really bad song. As I kept yeah. listening, the one that really rose a little bit more was Earthquake Weather. I thought yeah. that was like like the perfect kind of um, illumination of, of like all those elements that uh, I described that this album was doing. I also really like Broken Drum, Go to Lone, of course, Farewell Ride, yep. Scarecrow. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. The only clunker on the album for me is I think I think Hell Yes is kind of uh, I could go it could it could be off the album I wouldn't be upset about it. Um, uh, it's a little that one is the closest I could see the reviewer being like oh yeah yeah you're just trying to do like some like old old Beck shit and it just I don't know it just comes off. It just it sticks out like a sore of thumb on the album. I think I think that's the only one I would you can you can get rid of, of hell yes. I, I think I'm with you there. And the other one I think about and it's interesting uh, is Rental Car. So the thing yeah. is like I really like Rental Car, but it sounds like two different songs. It's like yeah. it goes like from White Stripes to like Laurel Canyon, Oregon. It's like it truly is like two different songs. So yeah. I, I like both I, of those songs, but together it's like uh, I don't know if this works. <laughs> my my uh, literally my note is it's a it's as a my note for that song is another very Beck song. Uh, yeah. Never really did it for me. <laughs> kind of forgettable in the Beck Hoover, but better than most people's songs. So like I can't really be mad at it. But ultimately, like yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah. Uh, da, da, da. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, number four. What's an interesting insight about this album's production or story? I mean, the fucking Dust Brothers. Like, okay. I never realized how. Okay, he produced Tenacious D's Tenacious D. Yes. Fucking supernatural, Carlos Santana. Oh my God! I didn't know that. He yeah, has so much money. He has so much money have, in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, yeah. Tenacious D, Supernatural, Paul's Boutique, the fucking Fight Club oh soundtrack, Mbop, and they were a producer on Hybrid Theory. Jesus. That's also <laughs> a thousand times platinum. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, this is like early 2000s Julian. You can wrap it up right there. The yeah. Fight Club soundtrack. Uh, Lincoln Park, Tenacious D, Paul's Boutique, Supernatural. I mean, that's that's like nailing me. Um, so yeah, yeah the, the Dust Brothers are going to come up when we do this other album here too. Yeah, because they're they're kind of um, you know related in a way. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. the way that music's made. So yeah, I usually do some kind of big sprawling thing here, but I just had like a little bit of a just kind of a quick bite from yeah. the April seventh, two thousand five Rolling Stone Q and A, which is about a week after the album came out. Uh, it's kind of a funny Q&A. It's very tongue-in-cheek. They're not like very serious questions. Um, sure. So Austin Skaggs asks, uh, you name drop Yanni on K on Guero, which was my intro there. Uh, yeah. uh, what have you picked up from him musically? <laughs> and Beck says, <laughs> really just more superficial things like the mustache and the idea of music as an event. Didn't he play the Taj Mahal? So I thought that was pretty funny. That's, that's a pretty goddamn funny answer, actually. Yeah, so... <laughs> We'll just keep cruising here. Uh, is this the artist's best album, Julian? Uh, it it's definitely my favorite. Uh, I don't okay. know. If, I think I think Beckheads would definitely say Odile, um is his height. Um, it, I, but Odile is not even probably my second favorite. I would say my second favorite is probably Midnight Vultures. 
Oh, I love that album. Yes. It's so good. Oh, my God. It's so fun. Yes. Dude, uh, isn't is Deb, Deborah's on Midnight Vultures, right? I can double check. Uh, I think so. Yeah, that song absolutely rules. Um, and uh, they use it really well in um, Baby Driver. Oh, nice. Yeah, confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Midnight Vultures. Um, yeah, no, that's a fun album. Um, yeah, I would say it's probably Wero, Midnight Vultures, Odelay, and then Sea Change, Mellow Gold, somewhere in there. And then the newer stuff is not really my, hasn't really been my taste, but it's not bad. So uh, this is this is very interesting. Uh, like I said, I've I've gone through all of his his albums yeah. doing this, and um, yeah. with your permission, I'm going to do a very brief. What I did was just like I tried to make the most succinct like micro sentence about each album and we'll go sure. through that uh just see if you agree see if you like that album blah blah yeah. blah but what i would say first is that there's no footholds in beck's catalog so it's like when he puts out something it's like oh you know you can compare it to this like it kind of sounds the same every album really is i think more than just about any artist i can think of at least off the top of my head is distinctly different so uh yeah. favorite and best inevitably like within the beck world yeah. is going to come mm -hmm. down to preference and sensibility yeah. and all this other stuff so sure. I, I i made a tiered ranking I'm, I'm a man who loves tears yep. of like his albums um which i'll just burn through real quick and this was yeah, this no, was my attempt this was my attempt to do uh like uh best you know, favorite would be a little different. Some of these second tier ones might come up a little bit. But anyway, in the first tier, Mellow Gold, 94, Odelay, 96, Sea Change, 2002. I I, I really like Sea Change. Yeah. Uh, and it's, then Wero, 2005. Yeah. Sea Change is just a – is that – is it Sea Change? Is Sea Change the bummer? Or it's kind Mellow of a bummer. Gold? Yeah. It's C kind of a bummer. <laughs> super bummer album. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's really good, but yeah, dude, that song is, you gotta be in the right headspace for that or kick your ass. Agreed, um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, what's, yeah, I mean, Losers on, uh, what? Melagold, what it's the first yeah, song no, of his catalog. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. a pretty strong way to, uh, to come out the gates. Yeah, big time. Uh, so, that's gotta so, be a, yeah, sorry. All good, all good. Uh, second tier, just burn through these, and then I'll go chronologically and do that real yeah. quick soundbite of each album. So yeah. in the second tier, I had uh, One Foot in the Grave, 94, Midnight Vultures, 99, very possibly could be moved up. Uh, the Information, yeah. 2006, uh, Morning Face, 2014, Colors, 2017, and then Hyperspace, 2019, which I liked as well. Uh, but then the only three in the third tier, I'd say Mutations, 98, Modern Guilt, 2008, which we can talk about, and then uh, Guerlito, or Guerlito, uh, 2008. 2005 so yeah um, i mean that's just a that's not even yeah that one i wouldn't even it's just a throwaway kind of thing uh um, the uh where Lito you're talking about yeah 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 i mean uh i did save like a handful of songs off of it i you know like there's some yeah. remixes that i do like on there but yeah. uh you know, the only reason I, I, I reference it or that I put it on there is when, I, when I'm uh, looking at which artists or which albums an artist considers their own, I, I tend to look on their website. Like, that's what uh -huh. distinguishes for me sure. whether they consider it an album of theirs or not. And mm -hmm. uh, he does. So anyway, um, let's start at the very beginning of, of Beck's career here in 1994 with Mellow Gold. I said it was an ambitious, anomalous debut. 
yeah. when's the last time you spent any time with that one or uh did you ever really Honest, listen to it I, I honestly uh i it's been a hot hot minute since i've 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 dug into that if i'm being honest yeah i'm putting you on the spot it's all good i'll, I'll continue to keep moving here i liked it a lot yeah. it was it's like it's a very unique album there's really not much music like that um the same year of that he put out one foot in the grave uh and that to me was neutral milk hotel doing woody guthrie songs it's oh, like yeah. 30 folk songs but that's through this kind of weird abstract you know back lens so it was it was pretty good i liked it Odelay 96, I said, is 90% brilliant exploration, 10% masturbatory exploration, kind of what we talked about. It's like sometimes it's really, like, really, really great, and then sometimes it's like, oh, there's a saxophone for some reason. Like, (laughs) Uh, Mutations 98, I said, muted, cohesive exploration. It was fine, you know, nothing crazy to me. Uh, Midnight Vultures 99. Manic electrofunk is what I said. Yeah, yep, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. Um, sea change in 2002. If I'm being honest, sea change might actually be my favorite uh, Beck album. It's, it's there. It's just not fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely a breakup album. So yeah. uh, I said a psychedelic solo Eddie Vedder re- record. Sure. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, and then Wero, I said, uh, 2005, Digital Western Robot Rock. Uh, <laughs> Where Alito, 2005, of course, the Companion remix album. I said, Turbocharged, Digital Western Robot Rock. <laughs> um, the Information, 2006, Radiohead Wrestles Jangle Pop. Uh, it's, okay. like, it's like Gin Blossom songs. And then there's just some really spacey out there songs as well. Um, Modern I've guilt. Seen the, sorry, I've seen the Gin Blossoms four times. Dude, they're sweet. Give me some <laughs> Jangle mean, Pop any day. I mean, there's like four songs, but it's it, they they're from Kalamazoo. So they play downtown like like all the time. So it's like ten bucks to go see the Gin Blossoms. Ah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Kalamazoo. I might have no, I, I might have seen them more than anybody else, and that's embarrassing. <laughs> no shame there, dude. I didn't know they were from Kalamazoo. That's great. I think so. Or close. Uh, Modern Guilt, 2008. This is interesting. So this is the Danger Mouse record. So yeah. I said 33 minutes of B-minus Danger Mouse pop rock. <laughs> yeah. I fuck. I love me some Danger Mouse, but yeah, it's not... Yeah. There's just nothing that stands out. It's just like kind of uh, a lot of the same stuff. So yeah, 33 um, minutes also like, come on, man. Yeah, uh, definitely his shortest album. Uh, Morning Phase, 2014. I said, less intimate, more abstract acoustic Wilco, while being more intimate, less abstract acoustic Pink Floyd. So it's oh. I, I really like that one, actually. Um, oh. Some really spacey yeah. songs. Pretty not quite as, not quite as uh, sad as um, uh, Sea Change, but seems connected to it a little bit. Uh, Colors 2017, I said unselfconscious wind-resistant power pop, which it's just like this synth pop record, which was pretty awesome. Like there's there's really nothing emotionally dragging it down. It's just like a bunch of like really upbeat pop songs for the most part. And then um, Hyperspace 2019, spacious retro dream pop, um, which I liked as well. Uh, both of those I think made the middle tier for me. So 
Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you letting me go through that. I I, <laughs> I really like his music. Like he makes really good music. I, I never spent significant time with any of his albums and I like all yeah. of his albums. So I'm, I'm really well, there glad you go. This. Yeah, I'm glad I can uh, serve you up a, a new artist. Um, always, always good for that, my friend. Yeah. Um, interesting. Um, this is just like an extra thing. But for whatever reason, I always thought he was a Scientologist. I read about this. And I, like, I was like firmly in my head, Bex the Scientologist that kind of docks them a point. But he's not. Not at all, apparently. I don't know. So he says that he was never in the church, but there's all these people, including Leah Romini, who says bullshit, who say that like they saw him there, he was there all the time, yada yada. Mm. He, I believe, his uh, romantic partner was definitely in the church, and her parents were definitely in the church. Um, yeah. So uh, who's his? Who's his is, is she famous? So I believe that they broke up. I, I thought that Hyperspace oh. was gotcha. m- more of a breakup album but they got together um right in the years preceding wero uh 2002 the sea change was a breakup album for sure it was uh he broke up with the partner he'd been with all through like before he was famous yeah and uh the result was sea change and uh i believe that he broke up with that partner recently too or or the partner that he got with before yeah yeah so anyway, it remains to be seen whether he was Scientology or not. I I I, I like Leah Ramini and I kind of like her story, so I'm kind of with her. I got to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I, Beck's a fucking weirdo. It's not rising, it's not <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's it is what it is, man. I but I swear I had this whole thing in my head that I always told people that like. You know, it's okay because his parents were into it. So, like, he's been in the church for a long time. I had this whole story just pretty much made out of, like, made out of bullshit. Like, I had, I actually didn't know any of that. But, yeah, anyways. It's it's funny how we hang on to things like that. Like, you yeah. hear something and you never necessarily research it, but it just, like, clings in your brain as yep. that thing, as the fact. Yep. yep. <laughs> All right. So, 100%. with the, the final uh, question, kind of the custom question here. We talked about how this album feels theatrical. Uh, I said the album feels like a soundtrack. Is there an existing film that this could serve as an alternative soundtrack to you? Ooh, you know what I immediately comes to mind? I hope it's the same thing I pick. Go ahead. Is it Hell or High Water? That works. I, I did think about Hell or High Water. There's no question I thought about Hell or High or Water. Or no, yes. no Country. Ooh, no, it, I feel it could be it's too, like, too happy. It's too upbeat for. Yes. No country. Yes. Uh, I, was, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Hell or high water. Probably. Uh, let's see. OK, yeah, I'll stick with hell or high water. I like that. That's a great answer. And I, it definitely came to mind. So for me, if uh, if Vince Gilligan were to make another Breaking Bad like spinoff movie, I yeah. kept thinking about Breaking Bad throughout this whole like listening sure. to this album. I think sure. it definitely meets like the the kind of the darkness and uh, the the uh, the on the surface positive things that are going on, but below the surface without anyone knowing yeah. the uh, sure. absolutely clandestine and and danger and and uh, all that stuff going on. So I think uh, also yeah. farewell farewell ride kind of sounds like the Breaking Bad theme a little bit. It does absolutely. Yep, a little bit. So I could see where how you got that, but yeah, no, that makes sense. Everything you said made sense. I think yeah, Farewell like Ride could have just been in like any John Wayne movie or Clint Eastwood mm-hmm. Western, you know, 
without even was, like having to do much else. Uh, I, I got you, I gotta look it up and see how many fucking trailers that damn song's been on. Uh, keep going. Yeah, no, uh, it's it definitely is one of the songs that stands out most in that aesthetic that we've been describing up and down. It's like the it's like the clearest example. There's other songs that are a little more subtle with all of the elements, but Farewell mm-hmm. Ride sounds like you've heard it in a Western before. Yeah. About. Um, hold on. I'm gonna IMDB it. Uh, anyways, keep going. I know that um I know that Black Tambourine appeared in a couple uh film pieces as well as a video game and that definitely sounds like uh the scene from like a heist movie it could definitely be the song that plays as the bank robbers you know are running out of town or whatever yeah great great guitar riff great bass line it's funny you said bass when your friends were in the car because i feel like that would play it super well with this album it absolutely slaps with like a like really bassy symptom system it's got a yeah. lot of low end in it uh whatever i can't find it i don't care um no good yeah. uh so we're moving on did you have a custom question for beck i or... uh, i honestly didn't totally understand that uh that's okay question. that's on me then <laughs> question oh no you're good uh so that's where i brought in the scientology thing was just bringing up something kind of random that i had thought about that's why so that's what I'd put there is, did you think Beck was a Scientologist? Nice. Okay. Yeah, uh, that works then. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our second album. Uh, do you have the uh, the essentials there? We can get this yeah, bad boy give me, rolling. Give me a second. So the second album is uh, The Avalanches, Since I Left You. Um, let's make sure we get uh, the name right, right? Let's... Uh... Uh, yeah. Since I Left You. <laughs> Not since you left. <laughs> Jesus, Danny. It is, better. Um, All time music I, friends blunder. Yeah. Since I left you is the first album of, oh shit, is it four? Three. Three, Three albums by uh, the Avalanches. The album was produced by the Avalanches. And anybody else? Yeah, no. They're, uh, the, the two combine as the, na- as the production uh moniker yeah. bobby dazzler so yeah basically okay. the avalanches and was released in 2000 That's so right. uh so danny how does this album make you feel julian makes me feel like dorothy waking up in oz okay yeah. you know like holy shit i really like electronic and electronic dance music like this yeah there were factors that coalesced to mm-hmm to lead up to like a pinnacle moment, like a breakthrough album like this to come to me. Uh, mm-hmm. There was, there's some uh, ambient music that my, my buddy Scott's gotten me into, Shouts to Scott. Uh, and then dance wise, I've really gotten into Rick James over the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, you were talking about that. No shame, I, I feel no shame about it. Uh, Daft Punk, I've always liked a little bit. Anything that that flirted with disco, I was into. Yeah. Uh, the Watchmen soundtrack. I don't know if you did Watchmen, the TV show, but uh, uh, it was no. uh, Atticus Ross and uh, Oh yeah, Trent uh, Reznor. What's his Trent Reznor joint? I listened yeah. to that a lot. So there was a lot of things happening that that was was setting up a moment like this. So um, yeah, I I absolutely absolutely love this album i haven't stopped listening to it 
Uh, I blasted through their other albums uh, and a lot of uh, other albums that were kind of in the same orbit. Yeah. Um, uh, I've got a lot for this one, so bear with me. But <laughs> all of uh, this stuff kind of makes me feel like a noob as well because yeah. it's a music genre that I just have no sense for. So I'm reading and I'm digging into these things and I'm like, Oh man, there's so many breadcrumbs here. Like, like I, <laughs> I am so behind with this this kind of music. Yeah, that's uh, awesome though. It it makes me feel like a rock supremacist a little bit. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> this is music that existed outside of the relatively tight kind of periphery of rock supremacy that uh, yeah. you know I I've certainly been a part of. But as our friend Bo Burnham said, I've self reflected and I'm ready to be an agent of change. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, lastly, I'd say this album makes me feel like dancing. It makes me feel like thinking. It makes me feel like doing, like writing, like living. Uh, their albums feel to me like lives, or at least like portions of lives. The shuffling, inevitably fleeting melodies feel like your mind going through transient thoughts of diverse emotional color. It's going up and down and, and around, and it's uh, it's almost uh, overwhelming sometimes. So. Uh, my last question before I finally get this back to you is, do you watch Rick and Morty at all? Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm not, I've, I've watched most of it. Okay. So, so hopefully this, these episodes have fallen in that purview, but, uh, to me, uh, it's back in my, cable. this is audible interdimensional cable. Yes, Julian. Yes. Uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what this is. Audio interdimensional cable with killer hooks. So sure. yeah, man. No, that's, uh, that's, I can see that totally. Um, yeah. So you would, you don't have like really any, anything like this turntablism, like electro kind of stuff is just never been in your wheelhouse for the most part. Outside of Daft Punk. Not really. Yeah. So we were talking about shadow. You just listened to introducing not that long ago, which is very closely related. We even, I even said to you, we, Fuck, I wish I would have known we were doing the avalanches because I'd have done, we could have done introducing and done a whole. That would like, have been dope. Yeah. They're, they're very kind of similar albums, I think. Uh, just a little bit. I mean, they're different, but very much like brethren, if you will. Absolutely connected to each other. No no question. Yeah. Uh, so I'll flip yeah. it back to you, man. How does, how does this album make you feel? Oh, it made me feel, re like, made me feel mad at myself uh, a little bit. Because <laughs> yes. I've, because I've known. The, like a known, so I've known Frontier Psychiatrist for like a long, a long time. It's played on yeah. radio stations at work and stuff like that, and it's very closely. But that's the only song I'd ever really heard by them. Okay. And honestly, front, I'll just front load this here. I fucking don't like Frontier Psychiatrist. That's like my <laughs> least favorite song in the album. Okay. So I, I it turned me off from like getting into them because I was like, yeah, they're kind of, they're gimmicky. Okay, cool. They they sample a bunch of weird stuff. Wow, awesome, great guys. You guys are really clever. I don't know. It just it just outside of the context of the album, it seems like a gimmick, and I just was like, eh, that's not for me. So I'd always just kind of skip over it or whatever. I mean, it's cool, it's fine, but and it's definitely impressive. But like a lot of when music is. I don't generally like my first reaction to hearing something is, wow, that's impressive. It's not usually me. It doesn't usually to me mean I'm probably going to listen to it a lot. Does that make sense? Like, sure. Yeah. Virtu virtuosity doesn't ne necessarily mean I'm going to like your shit. Like, Fair enough. The, best, the most technical, awesome guitar players in the world 
I'm not going to listen to Steve Vai anytime soon, <laughs> you know? Like, I'm not sitting down and strapping on a Steve Vai record, you know? He's obviously <laughs> okay. one of the best guitar players in the world ever. But, like, ugh. Like, I don't know. Um, so that's what it's... It seemed a little wanky when I heard it, I guess. It's just, like, masturbatory. Um, so, yeah. So then now... And then I you you sent me it, and uh, I started listening to it. I was like, damn it. I could have been... <laughs> Yeah, album rules. Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah, no, two hearts. The fact that I haven't had two hearts in three quarters time in my life is very upsetting to me. I fucking love that song so much. It's the one that I've been like click the jam on. Like I've repeated that one a few times. Awesome. Yeah. Well, once we get to the favorite song, I'm curious uh, what else you think there. No, no, no. You're good. Um. Awesome. I'm so glad you like it. You know, when I was listening to it at first, I'm like, it was like a no brainer. I was like, man, yeah. if I know anything about Julian, like he would really be into this. So I'm, I'm Definitely. glad to uh, confirm that. So, yeah. uh, cool, man. Let's, uh, let's, let's move it forward. Unless you have anything else. Uh, no, I, other than like, it's, it's an album, um, yeah. which is, which needs to be stated because especially nowadays, um, and I think that's why Frontier Psychiatrist kind of peeved me off is because taken out of the its placement in the actual album, it does kind of stick out of like a sore thumb. And in, in the actual course of you're already used to their style, it works a lot better. And it actually like I didn't skip over it when I was listening to it. Oh, man. But, I love this point. But yeah, it's it's an album, and so I don't think taking any of the component parts out, it 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 works as well. Like it's literally like you just I the only time I've listened to this album has been in like large chunks or the whole thing, but never like two songs or skipping around to songs. It's like you gotta do it in like large swaths, if that makes sense. Bro, ah, I miss you. We, I, I <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, God, I, I, I so agree. And, and so whenever I do, whenever I listen to all the music of an artist, this one's pretty easy. They have three albums. Yeah. Um, but I make a playlist. Like with Beck, when I went through all those albums, I made a Beck playlist and I picked out sure. songs I liked and, you know, I ended up with 70 Beck songs or whatever the number was. Yeah. So with this album, I, I think I picked out, like, or with, with, uh, Avalanches, I picked out like 32 songs, something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, when I listen to the playlist of the songs that, that you know, I put together, yeah. I enjoy it so much less than when I just let any of their three albums play because they're, they're deliberately uh, placed to run together. And, and when you pluck out one of the songs, even if it's a favorite song, and of course this works for, for some of them, but yeah. uh, it really, you really lose like the, the real beauty of what they're doing when they curate these uh these albums because the transitions i i don't know that i've i've encountered an artist that transitions between their songs quite like avalanches do so uh what a great point i so agree well that was kind of what like i mean i'm sure we're going to go through the the album but like it's difficult to like even discern the tracks if you're not like actively paying attention because you don't know where one begins and the other one ends half the time yeah. Uh, yeah. So when dude. I was going back and trying to do like out song to song breakdowns, I was like, wait, this is when that song starts? Oh, that's weird. I didn't think that. Like I <laughs> right. yeah. I just think of it in like chapters basically or whatever. Yeah. Anyways. Um yeah. but yeah, I think song to song it's weird to do. 
Um, anyways, uh, yeah, no, uh, so hold on. All right, Danny. Uh, wait, are we doing the question? Did I answer? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. Uh, yeah, you're good, bud. What's the most in amazing instrument or the most interesting instrument on the album? So a couple things here. I would say I was... Um, I found it curious to find how much actual instrumentation was going on. Uh, there are so many, so many samples, and we, we'll definitely get to that. Uh, yeah. But the fact that you have, uh, you know, like six different musicians at least credited with playing real instruments. So there, there is a lot more instrumentation than it, than it seems at first. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. But yeah, then, I mean, they uh, were a band. Yeah, and they, they, they play live and stuff, uh, yeah. you know. Um, so uh, the other part would be the drums, which kind of blends into me, the hip-hop sensibilities of yep. the album. So uh, Bobby Dazzler's underlying musical tendencies through what often feel like clutter present as constellations of genres we recognize, right? Uh, so sure. even though there's all this randomness and this chaos and this clutter, it's like, oh, this sounds like a good hip hop backbeat, you know? So um, I thought since I left use percussion was ripe for hip hop, hip hop vocal accompaniment from first listen and was pleased to see how many of the remixes on disc two uh, were broadly in the hip hop tradition. Uh, yeah. So uh, the second and third record include numerous hip hop features and frequencies, which is again, kind of gratifying to me because it's like, oh man, so much of this sounds like hip-hop to me so uh i would say drums and then kind of the way that they use the vocal loops as drums or as percussion um, yeah. throughout so yeah that's that's what i got there what do you think yeah i mean i, I mean I, I think you have to bring up the like actual sampler you know like yep. that be the instrument um like i mean tw it's 20 it's there's number the numbers range uh yes yes heard like uh, anything from like 800 to 3000 yes <laughs> uh, different samples used in this um which is just patently absurd um it's at, truly amazing and yeah i mean i think there you mean they were using antiquated technology at the time that was the interview they were uh they did with Questlove. they were talking about like pulling all this shit onto the stage and they like the roadies for are like what in god's name is this they have a bunch of floppy disks they're pulling out and putting in <laughs> like truly like antiquated stuff and they're doing all of this really amazing stuff with it um so i think just the usage of uh their sampler and the technology that they had at their hands at the time is just it's fucking crazy um yeah and uh yeah so yeah that i would just i mean i know it's kind of obvious but i think it it's a perfect way to bring up the fact that there's 2,500 samples in this game. One, one point before we move to the next question, and that's just simply, I went to their Who Sampled webpage, the website Who Sampled, and it <laughs> yeah. is overwhelming. <laughs> like I, I had to yeah. get off of the webpage because yeah. I was getting a headache. Yeah. Did your computer start catching on fire? It did. It started smoking. The hard, I was drive, like, started <laughs> the hard drive started going into overdrive. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, Danny. So uh, let's see. Sorry. Uh, what's what? your favorite song on the album? 
pretty easy as many as for as many songs as there are that I like uh, radio flight tonight close to you live at Domino's extra Kings uh, electricity I think the first time I heard yeah. electricity a shot of light sprung out of my head through the ceiling of our house and I was like how have I never heard this song before yeah. uh, it just made me want to move it's I think one of the best dance songs I've ever heard in my life. It's, yep. it's, uh, it really like solidified as I was going through the album the first time I was like, Oh, I kind of like this, you know, and then that song comes in and the way it comes in is almost like, because there's like the, the really high pitched kind of like heavenly voices singing and it leads into this just unbelievable kind of disco, uh, beat. Um, yeah. and it's, it's amazing. It, it just really, truly blew my mind. Yeah. I haven't done the album stoned yet. I gotta get on that. I gotta yeah, imagine I, Probably a fun stone listen. Highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. Not that you would know. <laughs> right. Uh, no, I think, I think, I mean, I already kind of uh, buried the lead here, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, two hearts and three quarters times my, is my favorite. Nice. Uh, just, it was when I, that was like, I'd like, okay, this is really good, really good. And then there's like the fourth or fifth track, I think. And that was when I was like, it just, I was like, okay, I'm in, give me, inject this into my femoral artery. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, the sample is, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't, I, yeah. Again, this is the hardest one. This is the hardest question of all of them for me because it's the songs. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's not songs to me. It's album. Um, yeah. It, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's really tough to break it up into specific tracks. I don't know. In my head, it doesn't compute, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, no, I, it's like, I like parts of a whole. I don't know. No, that's that's totally accurate. Um, yeah, so that, that would be my favorite. Um, all right, Danny, here you go. I'm sure you have some kind of crazy deep dive here. What's an interesting insight about the album's production or story? It's okay. I only have like six or seven things. So let's, uh, let's hear it, Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so this is where I, I I position the samples, which, as you talked about, uh, according to them, there's over 3,500 samples. The Who yeah. Sample page is totally overwhelming. I don't recommend going to it. it it's yeah. a waste of your time. Uh, so getting clearance and permissions uh, was the major reason that it took one year for the album after it came out in Australia to have a North American release. Yeah. Uh, there was a Robert De Niro voiceover for Midnight Run, an Ennio Morricone sample, and Wars H2 Overture that were removed from that original version, as well as oh. dozens of others. Uh, so also uh, on the sample point, there are two different times in tra- both track two and track 16 where Madonna's holiday, uh, yeah. can be heard. The baseline can be heard from that. So we're doing a little music friends connection here. There's always, there's always connections. Uh, holiday is on that first Madonna album that, uh, Scott and I did, uh, shots to, uh, Scott and then shots to, um, the, uh, is it safe podcast as well. Did you, uh, there's also another connection here. Do you know who did most of the clearing? No. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so her name's Pat Shanahan. She's basically this lady who that's what she does for a living is she's a music clearer. Uh, and she also cleared, did all the clearance for Odalay. Nice, okay. 
there's another connection for you. But uh, anyways, uh, I just did a little bit of research on her because they talk about uh, how, yeah, basically she's just this wizard of if you need to get clearance, she will get it. She got like Beatles or there's like a Beatles track on here and she got nice. that through. Um, so, yeah. Good deal. I have I have two two more things. Yeah. Oh, uh, the, so the cover art is dissected from Fred Dana Marsh's Sinking of the USS President Lincoln. And uh, I, I can't take credit for this, but the the writer that mentioned that in the article I read uh, said that it added to the globetrotting kind of maritime vibes of the album. I did read that it, initially this was going to be designed as a concept album in which the protagonist goes around the world and is always like one or two steps behind the uh, partner that they're pursuing. Uh, but it didn't end up that way. But you can definitely see that uh, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of like international flavor uh, throughout the album, a lot of different vibes. Um, I thought that was interesting. And then <clears throat> just the point on plunder phonics, which is a, you know, a yeah. new word to me. And I guess where this album kind of falls in that it is of the uh, type of album where you're you're basically comprised of other music and other albums. Yeah. A, a concept that to me, for I think for a long time, is something that I would have dismissed, something that yeah. I perhaps would have uh, made fun of. But in a in a really brief kind of rundown of how this works, you've got uh, John Oswald in 1985 writes an essay and a. Uh, uh, eventually an album by the by the name Ponderphonics. Paul's Boutique in 89 yeah. is is definitely a signature moment in the kind of sampling mm -hmm. uh, of of uh, music, uh, putting together music through samples of other music, blah, blah, blah. Uh, introducing in 96, of yep. course, is another landmark moment in that, which uh, there's, you know, all these different samples used to to create this awesome album. And then since I left you in 2000, beyond that, you get um, Sample Delia, Sample Pop, Chill Wave, Vapor Wave, whatever the fuck you want to say, all these different things that kind of stem from that. So this is definitely a landmark album uh, in the in that sense. So yeah. You can blame uh, the avalanche for Girl Talk. Yes, exactly. Girl Talk, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. I haven't thought right, about buddy. Girl Talk a really long time. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, that was an interesting reference. What do you got here, buddy? Um, I, I honestly, I I had the the uh, that the lady that um, but anyways, but yeah, I had the lady that did all the clearing for this and and Odalie. I guess I didn't really have that much for this one. Um, yeah. I know that it was just insanely difficult for them to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, you kind of pretty much. Did, yeah, it was the clearing of all the stuff. Yeah, that was kind of my my whole thing. So you kind of went there anyway. So it's all good. Yeah, uh, I mean, what a specific niche. What a you yeah. know, uh, man, probably what a tedious process to be totally honest. But um, who knows? Good deal. Yeah. Um, all right, Danny. Um, if you know, I is this the artist's best album? I would say yes, uh, with with probably little hesitation, but uh, definitely wanted to give some shine to the other albums. And I have because there's only three. I have kind of some brief a brief rundown of what the other albums are. Did you spend any yeah. time with the other albums? I I haven't honestly. I was just really focusing on this one um, as much as possible. I just I, 
I don't really have that. I haven't had that much time, so I've just been playing the one album just whenever I could get a chance. All good. All good. I uh, I highly recommend the others. I, I do yeah. still think this one is the best. Uh, they become a little more like traditional albums as far as the guests as they go yeah. forward. But, uh, you know, still you get a lot of the sensibilities that makes this album great. Uh, in previous Music Friends episodes, I've been I've been kind of referencing Pitchfork and not always giving credit to the writers. So mm-hmm. I, I pulled little splices of all three reviews, because all three of these albums are reviewed on Pitchfork, and they were all reviewed in real time. So I thought that that was kind of a unique perspective. And um, I'm gonna read uh, kind of my overall feeling about each album, and then I have a little snippets from the Pitchfork article that um, I I think kind of bring a lot of this into focus. So uh, let me know if, if something strikes a chord, but you know, since I left you, comes out in 2000. Uh, set the tone, Blue Minds. Uh, the next two records are at their best. I thought when they're emulating the the debut for the most part, um, pulls me in more the di- more directions than I think any album I've encountered before. But never to places you don't really want to go, and usually to places you want to stay. So, um, uh, but they don't Matt let Lem- you. Yeah, That's right. The, they don't let you stay. Like you can't stay too long here. We're gonna go somewhere else. But you, this yeah. is cool. But yeah, You're gonna go just being <laughs> just being jerked around, yeah. but uh, you know, never to places you don't want to go. So Matt LeMay on December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, uh, day before the year two thousand, uh, mm-hmm. wrote the Pitchfork article for this, and he gave it a nine point five. Uh, yeah. He says. Uh, two snippets from him throughout since I left you sampled vocals are used almost like percussion which was something I I kind of uh, you know I mentioned earlier but something I I definitely thought was important and then also since I left you is the perfect record for the party and for the period of regret and recovery after the party which (laughs) definitely goes into that up and down nature that we talked about you know these really high peaks and then some valleys to kind of recover it's it's uh i thought that that was really well done Uh, wildflower in 2016 so 16 years later uh they come out with their their next album um some things changed uh basically one of the principles of the band uh, left after a few years after the first album. Uh, I believe he had a kid and, and you know, things ha- like yeah. this happen. So one other different principle. Uh, there's more traditional guests, like I said, uh, but yeah. still a ton of samples. You get Danny Brown on this album, MF Doom, Biz Marquee, Kevin Parker yeah. of Tame Impala, Camp Lowe. Yeah. Uh, the Danny Brown, there's just two Danny Brown songs. Do you like Danny Brown? His voice kind of yeah, I can't do his voice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't do his voice, man. I tried. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, voice destroys me. I can't deal with it. I will send you uh, the. Uh, it, I believe it's called Frankie Sinatra is the song, and it's like the, it's yeah. like the perfectly positioned Danny Brown feature because there's like a tuba and there's like this circus noise in the background. It's like exactly where Danny Brown is supposed to be. Where his um, voice is supposed to be in a fucking circus. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So Mark Richardson was the Pitchfork writer, July eighth, tw- uh, two thousand sixteen. He says, building music from music means you have to do a lot of listening. So constructing albums in the way that they do just takes a lot of time. Um, You know, part of the reason that it it took so long for the second album to come out. Um, This was a point I I, I thought about throughout the process, but it never wants to show off and the beat jacking never feels competitive. 
so there's not a lot of like masturbatory stuff here, right? It's flowing in and out, but it's never lingering and it, and it never feels competitive. I, I really like that point. Yeah, I get that. Uh, the last one for him uh, says, their work continues to mine a deceptively narrow emotional world, new love, childhood playfulness, wistful sadness, happy feelings of connection, but renders it better than just about any music ever made. Uh, and I thought that that was really on point too, because this, this these albums just make you feel a lot of different things in a short amount of time. Uh, and there's not a lot of music that can do it in the way that they do. So... Lastly, We Will Always Love You in 2020, last year. This is a monster of an album. Uh, same principles as Wildflower, so um, similar from that standpoint. Uh, the guest appearances blow up as the tracks isolated from others appear more traditional, but the transitions between the tracks are still distinctive and delightfully avalanches. Um, throughout the album, there's recurring themes of light, um, the Cosmos and Carl Sagan throughout the album. Uh, so uh, begins with a piercing breakup voicemail that the album begins with this just like heart wrenching kind of breakup voicemail. Uh, and then it's replayed throughout. So I, I couldn't get to the bottom uh, distinctly whether this was uh, a story or not. Um, but it seems like there is at least a loose narrative going on. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, feature-wise, go ahead. Oh, it's got Blood Orange on them. I actually really, really like Blood Orange. I don't know if you've listened to them at all, but they they kind of rule. Yeah, uh, worked with Solange some. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a little underlistened, but uh, only good things I hear. And that was my next word as I was just going to list off the features, which is Blood Orange, sure. MGMT, Leon Bridges, our boy, Perry Farrell, uh, Jamie XX, Clipso. Uh, Denzel Curry, Karen O, Kurt Vile, Rivers Cuomo. Uh, yeah. So just all these very eclectic samples. Uh, uh, and then, I love Kurt Vile too. Yeah, me too. Um, all right. And then the last Pitchfork review here, which back up real quick to Wildflower, they gave that an 8.5. Uh, and now here on We Will Always Love You, uh, Philip Sherber uh, Sherburn uh, gave it an 8.1, December 14, 2020. Um, and goes on to say they're expert manipulators of the tension between nostalgia and deja vu, playing recognizable refrains off bits of songs you think you know, even if you've never heard them before, uh, which I thought was beautiful. Uh, and then they turn musical collage into sparkling four-dimensional fantasy land. So three albums, all rated above an eight, which is not easy to do on Pitchfork, as we know. Um, I appreciate you letting me run that down um but yeah and um with you having not listened to the other ones i'm gonna assume you think this is their best yeah definitely uh, yeah no i mean i will i'm definitely gonna go back and listen to them but i think it's pretty much the general consensus as well so i mean uh, it's but i i love it and i'm i'm excited that they're in my life now yeah yeah, yeah i'm i'm looking forward to uh but yeah, no, if you, uh, I, I'm, this is actually like, I like this kind of music a lot, so I can definitely throw some wrecks your way if you got into that. Ready? Yeah. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Hold on a second. Eddie, I got to move. No sweat. I'm just going to keep going here. Yeah, go um, for it. And, and just off the point you just said, this did 
encouraged me to listen to a few albums that are seemed related uh-huh. to this, and I'll just list them off. There's just a couple. Uh, the Chemical Brothers Surrender in 99 I listened to. I liked. Yeah. Uh, Daft Punk Discovery, you know, went back through. Very good. DJ Shadow introduced in 1996. I got a lot more out of that than I had in the past. Um, oh, I fucking love that album so much. <laughs> uh, RJD2, Dead Ringer. I really like that yeah. one. I, I don't yeah. know if you spent any time RJD2 is really awesome. Uh, good jumping off point for uh, like making that like a Spotify station, and you can get a lot out of that. Oh, um, that's a good. Like, that's a good rack. That's a very. Have good you listened rack. to uh, Soul X? No. Soul X is good. It's kind of in the in this this genre. Okay, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. What else have you? Uh, just just a couple more. I had Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole, ninety seven, which came up with uh-huh. this album quite a bit, like that. The Alt J Reduxer album in twenty eighteen yeah. was all like remixes from their music. Uh, I never liked it before, but I like it more now. <laughs> uh, and then I even included Beck Midnight Vultures on here because that's just kind of an electronic exploration. Weirdo funk. So, yeah, weirdo dude, that funk. Yeah, no, it's it's super good. Um, yeah. Oh shit! I left my phone out. Uh, do you have a random question? Yeah, I do, uh, and it's and it's pretty light, uh, low impact here. But is the Avalanches the greatest band name of all time? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know why why they're called the Avalanches? No, I don't think I read this. Okay, so they would just be different band names every time they played a show. They just didn't pick a, and then eventually it was somebody that they were sampling and they were they were called the avalanche they're like a surf rock group from like the the 50s or something and they they were the avalanches and they were just like yeah we're just just," they just didn't change it one day and they just stuck with it um so but yeah no it's a great band name it's uh it's but it's yeah especially with their musical style it, it is kind of an avalanche it's a lot coming at you all at once uh there's probably some powder involved in (laughs) <laughs> dude uh so funny and that's a great insight about uh how they pick the name but that's exactly what i thought i thought uh you know the name is succinct and powerful but also describes the overwhelming sensory experience that the records provide or produce so uh, yeah well julian uh i think we did it bud did you have a did you have a custom question for that one um what about the uh, the quest Questlove pod? Did any uh, any stuff? Come any from nuggets that one? from that? Uh, yeah, I was trying to. Well, that's when I that's I got the uh, that one lady out of that, um, and okay. they were kind of just singing her praises. She just basically like is this? She's just been in the industry. She's like she's like like it's like an older lady. She's like seventies and has like three dogs and stuff like that, and she's just that. A, a sample hound and she just knows everybody she's like in an interview that i read with her she was like yeah if you've worked in the industry i know somebody who knows you and i'll find you and i was like this lady fucking rules um so yeah no just just i think that was one of the biggest ones i also got the band name thing out of that and how they uh you know had the um uh they were bring up all this crazy ass weird equipment and everybody would just give them weird looks and they're they're, they're switching out floppy disks i mean she's I don't know how young your listenership is, but half of them might not even know what a floppy disk is. Uh, but yeah, no, it's just all the uh, just learning about all the crazy stuff they had to do in order to make this happen when it happened. Also, 
should be noted, I think I mentioned it in the um, the other pod, but it, Questlove is absolutely nerding out on this because he loves them and he, the album like blew his mind open the first time he heard it. He basically went on to say in the interview that it like fundamentally changed the way he looks at music. Like awesome. and it was that big of a thing. And for somebody like that, I think it goes to show how like awesome of an album it is. If you know, you can shake quest love to his core um, as somebody who is quest love might be the biggest music nerd I've ever seen or heard about. So, um, but yeah, I definitely run ch- checking out that pod in general. Quest love Supreme is a really good, really good podcast they get some pretty crazy awesome guests so uh, i definitely recommend that um but yeah no i don't really have any specific anything more specific from the uh, the pod well then jules we did it buddy thanks so much right, for man. uh taking the time to listen and uh a blast as always we'll do it again yeah for sure bud let me ask you something when did music become so important it's always been important I mean, jingles, yeah. No, everybody keeps coming in looking for a, some song. And they're so specific. You love specific. But I have no idea what's going on out there. Well, no one can keep up. It's always changing. So, Pritchard, what is the album going to be? So I, you know, I grew up in what I would consider the golden age of album oriented. And, you know, I had and and I had mentioned to you an earlier selection by mistake. So I'm changing it up. I'm going up. I'm changing it up. I'm going with what I consider to be. Probably the most influential record of, you know, maybe a, a good 25 to 30 year stretch. And that's Dark Side of the Moon. Yes. Nice. I, oh man. Uh, I, I considered that, um, for, for, for my album as well. Uh, and I don't want to cut you off. Do you want to, uh, go into, uh, some of your explanation there? (laughs) I think that, that that particular album meshed, the timing of it meshed very well with counterculture with, with the uh, let's call it the not the advent of of getting high you know smoking weed and getting a buzz on um but certainly when things where people are were experimenting more and there's so much of that album that gave a generation of people the opportunity to space out you know smoke a little bit of whatever and then listen to dark side of the moon and I mean, there, I'm not alone when I mentioned there were many nights that back then you could put it on LP and it would just keep playing. Right, right. Like all night, you know, you're listening to clocks and planes and us and them. And it's, it's just, it's crazy good, number one. Number two, it was sneaky in that it was on the Billboard top 100 sheet for years dude it's not even months yeah. i'm talking i'm gonna find out when we when we get to our, our deeper podcast but yeah it's just a phenomenal record 
I, I listen to parts of it almost daily. You know, it's like on my music list of there are songs on there that, that have to be listened to. Um, and uh, yeah, super influential. I don't know how you could argue otherwise. It's just, it's one of the great, great records of my young life. No doubt about it. That's so beautiful. Uh, coming in hot and heavy with the, the takes right away. I love it. Uh, one of my, truly one of my favorite albums, an album I return to uh, a couple times a year. It truly is, and, and you mentioned album-oriented rock, the transitions and the way that that album flows in and out is just, it's just beautiful. And, and it is one of the greatest albums of all time. And as far as the, the culture, cultural point is concerned, it definitely uh, faces kind of the, um, the rejection of the monotony of life and the, you know, the pursuit of uh, all things financial and, and things like that. It, it really is like a cornerstone countercultural record. Uh, I'm so, so happy you picked that. It was, it was in, not in the short list, but in absolute consideration of the albums that I chose. And as far as the, the album that I did end up choosing, I, I went through quite a process. I probably had a harder time picking an album uh, for you and I to do than um, any, any choice I've made thus far on Music Friends. Uh, there's obviously my, my first inkling or my first couple of choices would have been music that we played on uh, back at the Collins house, um, you know, on the bows, uh, that big white bows that we had. So I was thinking Al Green, James Brown, um, you know, Sergeant Peppers, we played the crap out of on that thing as well. Uh, so that certainly came to mind. Um, I, I ended up settling on an artist that I, I know you like well. And it's one of his more complicated records, and that's Prince's Because of the Times. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, uh, in just a little bit of research I've, I've looked at, it just seems like it was a turning point for him and was kind of the end of that just insane uh run and i got the 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 name wrong again uh so it's sign of the times is the name of the record my bad but uh yeah the 1987 prince record and it seems like there's a lot to uncover there there's a lot of uh, uh songs that you would kind of think of in his classic canon of songs but then there's some very different kind of complicated songs as well so that'll be fun to unpack and go through have you spent much time with that one yeah, man, that's one of my favorites, and 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 I, I want to make a, a direct correlation between the title track, "Sign of the Times," which is a great song. Yeah, and you know the word is prescient, and and how it reflects um, society, culture for African Americans, and it's really along the same lines. It's timeless, right? It's timeless in its message. And it's just like our boy uh, Marvin Gaye and uh, Make Me Want to Holler. It's the same theme of, you know, the insidious nature of having to grow up in a city. And I think that, you know, I'm really glad you picked it, too, because Prince was just so talented, so, so epic, really. 
epic, mm -hmm. you know, foundational for the rest of music after him. And so I, I don't mean to sound that dramatic, but he was. Prince was, Prince was the real deal. They asked Eric Clapton one time, what's it like being the greatest guitarist in the world? And he goes, better ask Prince. <laughs> Dude. So I really like it because I feel like this is when he started to move from pop. He could write pop so easily, make money. And now he was getting into more social messages. So that's and that's right up your alley, too, dude. So that's an awesome record. I mean, he was giving away pop songs throughout the 80s. <laughs> you know, I do, um, um, what's the song? Do, 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 do. Love Bazaar. Who does Love Bazaar? I'm not sure. I can look it up, though. Look, who does Love he gave that to her, and it was a monster hit. Uh, the one I'm thinking of. So that's Sheila, right? She was with him. She was with him both intimately and, and then professionally. And she and he made her, dude. And, and that hit was big. It's a great dance tune, too. And you can hear, you just hear Prince all over it, dude. <laughs> Yeah, Let's, I'm thinking of uh, Manic Monday, too, right? Didn't he give away Manic Monday? Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's super talented, man. And, you know, it's shame because, you know, he he just didn't live long enough, man. He had just so much stuff. He, he just kept going, man. He was going to just be too prolific. It was just crazy. Because that's to me, that's what Prince is all about was evolution. He evolved and really went with it and was always trying to find a new sound. And, and oh, my goodness, that's a great. That's totally right. I mean, it it really he is incredibly prolific as an artist. I starting around like 2014, 2015 was when I really started to like really care about knowing the music, the pop culture music lexicon, you know? And so I started getting really curious isn't even the word. It's just like obsessive, obsessive about learning more. And, and um, before around the time Prince died, I went, I went through all of his albums actually. Um, and it, I mean, it was, uh, it, it was a long process obviously, but um, you know, he's putting out albums every year in the eighties and, and starting in 81, like controversy, 1999, the next year, Purple Rain in 84, Around the World in a Day, 85, uh, The Parade soundtrack in 86, Sign of the Times in 87. And then from there, it, like the albums uh, became less popular in, in part, I think, because of what you said. He's, he's playing on the uh, social fabric a little bit more, and that doesn't tend to go well for the commercial success of artists historically. But you know, continues to make music every year, if not a couple albums a year. And, you know, there's all that talk about how much music he's got sitting in um, uh, his estate has that they're just sitting on. So I love artists like that. You know, the artists that, that can't help but put stuff out, you know. So um, I'm really excited to I'm really excited to look into Prince uh, in the full picture, but at least in the spectrum of the 80s when he was you know, one of the three or four most important, biggest stars in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, I mean, that's a great pick. 
you know, one of the things, it's one of my favorite videos actually to watch. It's one of my favorite ESPN videos is, is it uh, 92 Super Bowl in Miami, Purple Rain? Oh, okay. Check that out. If you get a chance, you got to watch uh, the story of of Prince at the Super Bowl, and it rained, and he played. Oh purple, no shit! And he played Purple Rain, and they were like, "Dude, you watch it. You're gonna flip." <laughs> rain? Are you worried about it? And he goes, "Man, make it rain, baby." <laughs> Yeah, so, I, I on the guitar. Watch, you're gonna freak out. You really are. <laughs> I just one of my just one of my favorite artists, and I I don't think I. It took me a little bit of time uh, as I started to get older. I started to appreciate his music more because he's you know he's got that kind of uh, Bowie or Little Richard androgynous thing that was kind of confusing as a kid, but then you get older and you just appreciate the the music and the skill and the. You know, he's a virtuosic uh, musician. I think this album we're about to review, he's credited on like 17 instruments or something like that, and he's just playing the shit out of all of them. So, uh, yeah, just an unbelievable talent. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to, to dig into this. I love your pick. I love my pick. We've got We've definitely got our work cut out for us, you know? Yeah, so send me that sheet. So I can start formulating my strategy and getting all my stuff together on both of those. And uh, those are two really interesting picks, you know. And this is also a great opening salvo, if you will, in this process. You know, I hope we can do it, keep doing it. There's plenty of records that we both really, plenty of artists we both really dig. And uh, plenty of records that I think are influential. You know, I I was having a really lot, lot of fun when I think about it and these, these records might come up later, but you know, there are records like from the who where a ton of hits, there's a ton of hits, you know, Michael Jackson might come up on my, on my, (laughs) because that's epic, man. I mean, I put the personal stuff on the side. I'm really disappointed in all that. Um, but from it's almost like Pete Rose in the All Star Game thing, you know. His play on the field, it's just too much, man. Yeah. Those records, too much, man. I mean, every song is like a number one hit. Yeah. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with it, and and we have the same. I feel like we have the same. You're you get deeper into it, you know, and you have a much more comprehensive, broader palette of of interests and and corresponding work that you do in terms of listening and getting after all these bands that to me, I have no idea who they are, but I really appreciate your dedication to the genre of, uh, being a musical, you know, fanatic. That's awesome. For sure, man. We're going to have a blast. I take credit for a little bit of that for sure, because I introduced to you, James Brown. I introduced to you, um, um, Miles Davis. Yeah, you know. I almost did Miles Davis. I I was very close. My first pick was uh, was Sketches of Spain. I almost did Kind of Blue. I almost did. Yeah, Kind of Blue. Crazy man. 
yeah. crazy. You know, let's let's focus on what we got, and then we've got you know other time the next go round when we'll, we can both delve into a we can take it in different directions. We really can. Good deal, man. Prince and Pink Floyd. It's gonna be great. Yes. <laughs>